0: Hi, everybody. It's Neil and Cheryl Josephson from Family Life Canada, and welcome to the Family Life Canada podcast. Glad you could join us today. Our guest is a friend and a man we respect and do work with over the years, Ron Deal. Uh, Maybe you know him from Smart Step Families. Check it out at smartstepfamilies.com. Got a great podcast called Family Life Blended. At any rate, if you haven't met Ron before, you're going to enjoy it today. We're talking at this moment. Because Ron has a book coming out in September on the fourteenth called "Preparing to Blend,"
1: great book. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Ron. Thanks for joining us.
2: So good to talk to you. We always enjoy this.
1: Oh, guys, you know I love you and love your work, and uh, it's always an honor to be with you.
2: Uh-huh. Well, back at you. Hey, one of the uh, great passages in this book, and I'm going to read it because it's such a great quote. Said, "A step family is a complex spaghetti of loyalties." Cultures, traditions, DNA, expectations, parenting styles, losses, fears, and people. Merging a step family means attending to all these pieces. Oh, mm. man, that sounds daunting. Which yes. is exactly why you wrote the book, to kind of walk um, people, couples, families mm. through this.
1: Yeah, in particular uh, for engaged couples planning to get married. And let me, let me just say... Um, working with Family Life here in the United States, we have tons of resources for already married, blended family couples. And we've done some work in the past to help couples date well, if they're on the front end. But what we didn't have is that getting ready to get married thing. And that quote captures, I think, a very important notion that I want your listeners to know. And that is, you're not just getting married and... Becoming a couple, you're getting married and becoming a family, and it's a complex family with lots of layers. And I think what blindsides a lot of couples, guys, is they are thinking coupleness, coupleness, coupleness. I love this guy. I love this woman. This is going to work. We see eye to eye, and they're soul tunnel, tunnel visioned on being a couple. Oh, by the way, then they go to their pastor who says, yeah, let's do this premarital counseling stuff. And all they talk about is being a couple. Maybe they talk a little bit about, are you ready to parent the other kids? Yeah, I'm ready to do that. Yeah, okay, so good. And they spend 10 minutes on it and they move on. Well, guess what? It's all of those complexities that Mm -hmm. will make or break their marriage Mm -hmm. and their family. So we, they and we as church leaders really need to equip them to understand the family stuff so that on the front end, they're they're getting ready for that, and it doesn't take them by surprise.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and again, folks listening, uh, Ron is the voice we go to at Family Life Canada and Neil and Cheryl when we want wisdom about how to work with and care for and walk alongside step families. Maybe your step family, maybe somebody in your circle, a son or daughter a friend.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I,
0: what, what, what's your stat, Ron? In there, I think fifteen percent of all first marriages. Are creating yes. a blended family? Is that-
1: first marriages. People need yeah. to hear that. 15% of yeah. first marriages are forming blended families. And by the way, if you change some of the demographics, it goes up considerably. If, if one of the partners is 30 years of age or older, it may be a first marriage. But 26% of those weddings are yeah. forming blended families. This is not just a divorce remarriage story. This is not just being widowed story. This is life. You know, lots of people are finding themselves in blended family circumstances, at least in the US, a third of all weddings. It's probably more like 40 to 45% of all weddings are forming blended families. And, you know, similar things around the world, similar stats in Canada, across Canada, Europe, uh, Africa, New Zealand, Australia, non traditional families are outnumbering first time mm-hmm. married couple, traditional sure. families. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, this is a reality for the church and for people that are dating. Right.
2: Yeah. And certainly for people like us who care about couples yes. across the right. across the board, you know? And we love that distinction between coupleness and familyness that you referenced right off, off the top. And and I, I was fascinated by this statistic. You said that uh 41% of stepdads, 46% of stepmoms say their satisfaction with the marriage is directly correlated to how well the, the parenting is going. So, uh, boy, it's important to make that distinction. Yes. And then you walk through some some parenting principles in that chapter. We don't have time for all of them, but could you highlight a couple of those principles?
1: Yeah. So let me just tag those two ideas together. So here's the way that rolls, Cheryl. Somebody dating focused on the person. I got a partner. I got a friend. I got a companion. Great. Wonderful. Um, Oh, by the way, after the wedding, you're going to look at them as much as a parent yeah. <laughs> as you are as a companion. And actually, you know how well you guys do as parent and step parent working together, and the children, and how the kids feel about the new step parent and the new step siblings. All of that stuff has as much to do with the success and the quality of your marriage relationship as yeah. whether or not you like each other as two individuals. So it's not it's not just one thing; it's everything that gets into that mix. So to your point about parenting, um, what if you have two totally different parenting styles? One one of the things we do in this book, Preparing to Blend, is, is, is not just help couples hear a concept or read about something, but to actually do something that moves them toward oneness. I want couples moving toward more oneness in their parenting. I want Parents and step parents moving toward more oneness with the stepchildren. And we build that into the activities that are designed throughout the book. So in the parenting chapter, each person is going to do a little, you know, take some time to reflect on what, what, how did my parents raise me? And what kind of parent have I been if you have your own children? Or if you don't have any children yet? What kind of parent do I want to be? And what do I value in parenting? And so systematically you spend a little time talking that through and figuring out whether or not you're gonna parent the same or parent different. And usually couples know this, you know, they've been around one another's kids and they've watched one another parent their children enough that they know, wow, you know, she's a whole lot more strict than I am. Uh, How's that gonna play when we get married? Guess what? That is not a conversation to have after you get married. (laughs) Have that before you get married. Because if you don't, you can end up in a whole lot of frustration fast.
0: Yeah, You know, you made reference there in passing that, that there's uh, activities in the preface. I think you said, do this book, don't just read it or something like that.
1: And, right, and right.
0: for everybody, um, this book is unbelievable resource. I, I'm a lifelong educator. And what Ron does in this book blends input with process questions, with mm-hmm. uh, application kind of assignments. Like it's actually it's genius from an educational point of view. Like people who use this book will find it really Helps. Mm-hmm. You know, some books are all information. This book yeah. will help. So clearly people that are engaged and whatnot, but say me me and Cheryl, if you know somebody and care about somebody who's dating and engaged and about to merge a family, give them this book. Like mm-hmm. It's really, really helpful. One of the chapters that grabbed me too was you, you see some really clear, helpful things about correcting some expectations. And you've yeah. seen it in your work. Mm-hmm. You've been at this 20, 30 years. Yep. You've seen the expectations people have going into a blended family and y-
1: you call out some of the common ones that really
0: can be misleading. Could you name a couple of them?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest ones is we're going to repair what has been lost. Hmm. And, and and let me just camp out on that for a minute. You know, and I think that's a natural thing. Just earlier today I had a did a podcast, uh, a single parents podcast. And we talked about this, you know, when there is a missing ingredient in your home, like uh, you're a single mom, you'd love for your kids to have a dad. And so part of the fantasy of finding this guy that you've fallen in love with is that he's going to be a dad to your kids. And I'm always quick to say, oh, he can be an amazing influence, mentor, friend. Um, Wow. Yes, but he is not the dad. And if you set him up with that expectation and you make that your heart's expectation, you're going to be disappointed. He's going to be disappointed. Your kids are going to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've already got a dad. Now, everybody's against each other. He's not, you're not repairing what has been lost. You're not taking a fractured family and making it whole. You're creating a new kind of family, in this case, a a step family. And so stepdads have different roles, different relationship with children. It's one that grows over time. It's not one that just miraculously becomes father-child, loving, trusting, deep, bond. No, that's something they evolve into over Mm -hmm. time. So the expectation can really sabotage what reality looks like. That's just one. Another one is, um, wow, there's so many. I'm looking to see which one I (laughs) want to talk about. Yeah. Um, Oh, here's another one. My relationship with my children will not have to change. If I get married,
3: Mm.
1: okay, slow down. Here's reality reality is there's less of you to go around. Uh, You still love your kids. That hasn't changed. Your heart for them is exactly the same. Absolutely. Love it. Wonderful. Great. Your kids' relationship with you, in effect, has not changed at its core, but they have less of you because you're spending time with your new spouse and your new spouse's kids if they brought kids. They have less of you in time and in energy. And guess what? There's new things that are on your heart that are filling your time and space, and that influences who you are and how grumpy you are. I mean, how kind you are (laughs) when when you're when you turn towards your kids and deal with them. So clearly, something changes. Mm. Uh, It just has to. You can't get married and have it not affect every part of your life. So again, you just you can see how people in their mind, they didn't really say those words. Nothing's going to have to change, but they sort of believed Mm it. yeah. And then all of a sudden, wow, my kids are complaining because there's less of me to go around. And if I could have helped them anticipate this and me anticipate this, then maybe we could have made the transition more smoothly than it was, which is what we try to do in this book. Yeah.
2: We talk a little bit in some of our marriage conferences about different kinds of expectations, sort of the the unspoken expectations, the Mm -hmm. unrealistic expectations, and then the unknown expectations. And I'm guessing that might be the case in a lot of these couples is they don't even know what their expectations are until they hit them. Until
1: they're disappointed. Exactly. (laughs) until they're disappointed. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I thought I was repairing what was lost. Um, mm-hmm. I, somebody sent me a picture one time. They were driving down the highway in Florida and the car in front of them had, you know, those little images on the back where you have a father and a mother yes. and then children different sizes and uh, written beside that with a big arrow where the words, you know, open position with an arrow pointing to where the dad was supposed to be. It had been oh. peeled off. <laughs> oh. And, oh. And so you can see the image, this woman was advertising, look, I, you know, I'm looking for the father to come back into the picture. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not repairing what has been lost. You're creating a whole new family structure with different relationship dynamics. And you need to understand that family structure well so that you can move toward it and into it gracefully. If you're, if you're, in other words, say it this way, if you're always trying to take that round peg and shove it into the square hole because it's empty. All you do is shave off the edges and hurt people, right? Yeah. We don't want to do that.
0: Love that concept. You're making something new. And then this book, again, chapter by chapter, helps you prepare to build that new thing
1: Mm -hmm. in a wiser way. Your kids, helps your kids too. I I mean, Mm -hmm. I got to get this in there. Premarital counseling by nature. Anybody listening who's a pastor or leader who's done any premarital counseling knows that it's dyadic in nature. It's focused on the couple's relationship for the most part. Every once in a while we talk about money, we talk about some other things, your new in-laws, you know. But then we're back to this couple's relationship. Pre-blended family counseling has to not just talk to the couple, but it also has to invite the children
3: yeah. into
1: sure. getting ready for their new family. It's you're it's right. an entire experience. And so we're not just talking to the couple about being a couple. We're talking to couple and kids about being a family. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And one of the, uh, one of the activities in the book is a version of a genogram mm. and, uh, I love genograms. As a matter of fact, if you could figure out a way to put genograms and Enneagram together, I would be like, I might explode. Anyway, um, you talk about the importance of this blended family map, which is what you call it in Mm -hmm. the book. So why is that so important? I mean, and how far back do you go? I mean, do you go back? Because there's, there's relate back to the family of origin, but then there's previous relationships in there as well. So this can be a pretty complicated genogram. Mm.
1: Yes. So, the, the why of this exercise is so you can have your eyes open to the realities that you and your children are going to be living and begin to have more intelligent, emotionally intelligent conversations at this point about how you're going to navigate all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, the cool thing in this book, we're we're launching along with the book. A new website that's designed called blending.love people can go to it right now blending.love i know is that a website yes it uh-huh. is it's a really <laughs> cool wow. url i wish <laughs> i'd have thought of that right well you can do a digital genogram for 10 bucks you can enter some information and it will basically print out for you your family portrait both households mm. All Mm. the relationships and the temperatures of the relationships that your children have with bio-parents in your home, new step-parents coming into the picture, maybe a bio-parent in the other home, siblings and step-siblings. And what you get when you look at this on paper is, a oh, wow, look at that. Mm. I thought our family was you and me and two kids. But the reality is it's three homes, five adults, Mm. six children, moving parts, grandparents, eight sets of grandparents. Let's do the math on that. And children have all of those relationships to navigate and figure out. That immediately helps people go, okay, I can now look at this through my children's eyes differently than I ever mm-hmm. had before. Mm-hmm. And we walk them through, again, an exercise, not just for your benefit, but for your children's benefit of everybody beginning to say, you know, this is going to change a few things for us. Mm-hmm. You know, holidays are never going to be the same. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're going to have lots of people at the table that were never there before. What does that, what does that mean for you and for me? And how can we prepare ourselves for that rather again rather than it blindsiding us the first holiday after the wedding let's Mm. talk about how we're going to make it work before the wedding
0: Mm. so good there's i think 10 chapters in the book ron and uh 9 10 and and some of them actually are kind of surprising i think people would glance at this book you know going into it okay it's about merging uh family blended family step family And then there's Mm -hmm. a chapter on loss, for example. There's a chapter on finance, for example. There's a chapter Mm -hmm. on planning the wedding and involve the children. Like, I think this is, and then when you look at it, you go, well, of course, people should talk about this. But I think Mm -hmm. it's a bit of a surprise for some people coming to this book, but it's so, so good. Talk about the loss Mm -hmm. chapter. How does loss involve? Because again, we're all in love and it's going to be awesome. We're going to make this new thing. What's loss got to
1: do with it? I just got to say, this is why I love working with you guys. You're so insightful. You know, you caught stuff that most people are not going to catch. <laughs> this is a great question. And it's true. Most people are going, okay, no, romance is about you and me loving each other and let's get married and, and you know, end of story. And now we have a chapter on loss. Hmm. That's a bummer, Ron. Why are you throwing that in there? Well, because here's the deal. Uh, the past loss is always with us in the present. And it has everything to do with how bonding takes place in blended families. So, for example, from a child's point of view, if they feel like um, dad is forcing his new wife, our our stepmom, you know, there's this huge expectation that we're supposed to look at her as if she's our mom. Well, my deceased mom, you know, uh, I'm not going to let people forget her. And if I just cater to what dad wants, then All of a sudden, stepmom is mom and everybody forgets about my real mom. And I'm not going to do that. And so now this kid has bowed his back toward his stepmother. And that makes bonding slow down. That does not speed it up. It slows it down. And it's because they stepped all over his loss. They forgot that he's still grieving. Yeah, but Ron, um, I got divorced, you know, when the kids were two and four, like they hardly even remember us together. They don't, So what's your point? (laughs) Are you suggesting that children don't live with a fantasy of mom and dad getting back together again and that your new marriage creates another loss for them, that that's never going to happen? Are you Mm -hmm. suggesting that when this child is now 12 and has her first little boyfriend at school, and then he says, I love you one day, and the next day he says, I don't like you anymore, and she begins to feel hurt and rejection for the first time in her life, and then she says, oh, that's what you did to dad when I was two. Mm. Are you suggesting loss is not a player mm. in that dynamic? It's absolutely mm. right in the middle of your family. For sure. But you as an adult, and here's one of the things we point out in this book, it's easier for adults to move past the losses of the past and forget what their kids are going through. And you can't do that. You cannot forget. You have to step into their shoes every now and then, yeah. help them grieve a little bit, carry that burden with them that actually helps them here's the paradox that helps them move more into the family that is now but if you keep stepping on my loss i'm going to keep holding on to this mantle and i'm not going to let you forget yeah. but if it's okay to grieve mom's death or to grieve that you guys are no longer together as mom and dad anymore then it makes it easier for me to accept the present reality that's yeah. huge yeah um Uh, One other thing you mentioned, I just got to jump in for a second, and it's the chapter on planning the wedding. Yeah, Dude, I got to tell you, here was one of my surprises, okay? We wrote this book. Six months ago, we floated the manuscript to a number of engaged, dating, pre-blended couples Mm -hmm. and said, give us your reactions. What did you like? Every single couple said that chapter— hit them right between the eyes. They they had underestimated the importance of the wedding and how they include the children in the planning of the wedding and the wedding itself. Every couple said, oh my gosh, we were just going to do our thing. We're just moving on. We're making plans. We totally forgot to ask the kids, how do you feel about this? Do you want a role? What role do you want to play? Uh, One couple, and I tell their story in the book, they were planning to elope. Mm. i worked the story back into the book after they told it to, they were planning to elope and they realized the research is clear and i pointed out that that when kids feel like oh gosh i guess my mom's married now then they don't give any legitimacy to the marriage it's sort of like you went off and did your thing but this is this part of my life i don't think Interesting. so so they said that they read that and they said well we can't elope oh my gosh, we we need to plan a wedding. We need to talk to the kids. And Mm. at the end of the day, they had a small wedding. Her two sons, get this, two sons walked her down the aisle Mm. because they wanted to, not because she, Mm. they wanted to. Her daughter is the flower bridesmaid, held the flowers, thrilled to be in a dress, standing up there with mom. Yeah. When the pastor said, who gives this woman to this man? The response was, my brother and I. Wow! Are you kidding me?
3: Like all
1: of a sudden they are an integral part of this family, not just moms went off and got married and then came home. And this guy's now living with like, wow, what a game changer. Yeah.
2: Yeah, And it's actually a decision that they made to be part, part of that celebration. So they have some control as well.
1: And we're giving them a voice. You're giving that. see, there yes. you are, being insightful again. Kids who have lost control because of all the death, the divorce, and all the things yeah. that have happened, now we're giving a little of that voice yeah. back yeah. to them. That's yeah. empowering. It's not something happening to me. It's something I get to participate in. All mm-hmm. of these things make a huge difference even before the wedding takes place.
2: So here's a question for you. We run into this with couples who are engaged. It, it's like, it. well research will back it up to you're 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 blinded actually to reality mm-hmm. a little bit like mm-hmm. the pheromones are flowing and <laughs> yeah. all the hormones <laughs> yes. yeah. are in, in overload i'm guessing particularly for people who have been um have had some pain in their past story in a past relationship a betrayal or yeah. an abandonment mm-hmm. or something this Lost. this love feels so good yes. that i bet it's hard to be rational and logical about some of these mm. things like is it hard to kind of get through to them sometimes?
1: It is. This cuts both ways. By the way, have you seen the meme that says, the brain is an amazing thing. It works 24-7 from the moment you're conceived until the day you fall in love.
3: Yes, I, I've <laughs> seen
1: that one. <laughs> That's good. Um, Yeah. And so it, this cuts both ways, Cheryl. So on the one hand, one of the things we know is that people who have been through some serious pain and heartbreak through a divorce, for example, mm-hmm. a previous spouse left them, walked out, really, really difficult. That there's a part of those people that is apprehensive about loving again, about, yeah. you know, they're fearful of 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 loving again and being hurt again, right? Yeah. So that makes sense. But at the very same time, those same people can also be blind in a way to some of the realities of life. So it's sort of like at the, I'm cautious, but once I decide I want to throw my heart into this relationship, that they can again be blind to some of the dynamics, especially if they're only thinking about the couple relationship and not really thinking about the whole family dynamic. Yeah. So, um, so, even if you're guarded and cautious, you can still get blindsided. And that's the thing we want to try to mm-hmm. do is uh, raise awareness and help people make better choices.
2: That really is the thesis statement of your book isn't it that whole uh, mm-hmm. coupleness familyness dichotomy. Yeah.
1: Coupleness does not equal familyness. I know it's a hard thing it's a yeah. hard reality to hear. Um, coupleness is one thing falling in love with a person making decisions about marriage that is one important piece but it's also leading to this family thing that's going to influence your the couple's relationship and the quality of it and and obviously your children I mean, oh, uh, this is a family for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Kids are going to be impacted by what happens in that household. Mm-hmm. You want it to be healthy and strong for their sake. Mm-hmm. And so you have to give attention to both familiness factors as well as coupleness factors.
0: I, I so underlined that. That was the first line in the first chapter, if I remember right. And in, in this yeah. coupleness is not equal familiness. And mm-hmm. and uh, then the book uh, doesn't go on and explicate that philosophically. It says, here's how you can build Familiness, chapter by mm. chapter. And um, I'll I tell you this: we are not going to let anybody in our circle who's uh, contemplating starting a blended family or they're engaged to to start a blended family. We are going to give them this book, mm. and I think that's mm. an excellent use, folks. Like maybe it's your story as you're listening, um, yeah. but again, none of us don't have uh, blended families in our pretty close circle. Mm-hmm. And 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 I even found it super helpful for me just to understand my blended mm-hmm. family friends.
1: Well, you know, I've got a little agenda, a little secret agenda in this whole thing. Yes, thank you for that. Please hand people you know and love and care a copy of the book. It's meant to be a do-it-yourself premarital counseling mm-hmm. tool. But we've also created a free leader's guide that anybody who's a pastor, mentor, mm-hmm. marriage ministry leader doing premarital counseling you can let this book be your premarital counseling program with pre-blended family couples. Um, Familylife.com slash preparing to blend. Go there. Extra bonus material for the couples, but you get the free leader's guide and ideas for doing a wedding. If you're going to be integral in their wedding, Uh, we want to help you help them make it a great experience. Mm.
2: Wow. And I just need to tell you, Ron, Neil does not do this for all of the books that we read, no. and all of the authors no. we no. interview <laughs> on this podcast. He <laughs> loves this, as do I, but he loves this book. And uh, mm. so he's not blowing Thank smoke you. at you.
0: So Shirley, I've been, <laughs> we've been full-time in marriage ministry for about 16 years, and we just want to help people. When you come across mm. a resource that actually helps people, mm. man, I just I just want everybody to be aware of it. So Mm -hmm. as we start to get towards the end, I want to say this. So 15 years ago, Cheryl and I were new in marriage ministry. We're in this large church in California. We're trying to serve the people. And it became very clear to us, we don't know the best way to help people who are in blended families. Large church, we had, like there's 10,000 people in the church. We had hundreds of couples that were blended families. But they were blended families? Oh, yeah, probably. so. So we look around, we find Ron Deal. I don't know if you remember this. The first time we worked with you, Ron, it was like 15 years or so.
2: And, I do and remember. And again,
0: we have learned so much and relied on you so much. And uh, that's why we're talking to you again today. But one of the images you used 15 years ago when you were teaching this workshop to, to, our, to our folks, uh, I, I want you to revisit it. You probably said it a billion times, but mm-hmm. this crockpot image is really helpful mm-hmm. to me. And to. Uh, I've shared it bunch of times. I always give you credit though, Mm -hmm. but I'm making space for it. Tell people what the crock pot is.
1: You know, it's really comes down to an attitude, um, and expectations. We talked about expectations earlier. It, it, okay, you're in the kitchen of your heart, right? And you're wanting to put some relationships together and make a great meal. Of course, uh, you have a strategy about how you're going to do that. And so somebody's dating, they're a single parent, they found this right person. Maybe they've got kids, maybe they don't, but you're thinking about how do we put all this together? And If you have a blender mentality, I know we call them blended families, but don't use a blender to try to make (laughs) this thing work. All right, Just don't, because A, blenders force ingredients Together, mm-hmm. and they have blades. They're going to cut up something, mm-hmm. somebody, somewhere, and force it into becoming whole and one with something else that it may may not even want to blend with. And when you do that, you harm people and relationships. So a blender mentality looks like, um, look, I know I'm not your mom, but you can call me mom. Now that's well intended. It's super well-intended. You just want this child to feel comfortable and safe with you and to trust you. And you want a close relationship with them. Wonderful. Love that. But call me mom, what the child hears is, you just chopped up my real mom. You just hmm. tried to erase and replace her. Hmm. No way, Jose. I am not letting you be my mom. Hmm. And you just made it harder, not easier for you to become family. Hmm. Um, a crock mentality works much better. Not Instapot. I did not say Instapot. (laughs) You can hear the difference. Instapots are instant. Crockpots are slow. They're soft. They use low heat. That's what I mean by soft. It's low heat that eventually warms up ingredients, helps them to soften, and then share of themselves. When blended families merge slowly with time, and intentionality it's far more genuine and authentic when you get to the end of it than if you just cram it all together in a blender and make it work or shove it into a microwave and say, all right, 30 seconds, we should be done. No, the reality is average blended family literally, literally needs five to seven years to really find right. their fit, their connection, mm-hmm. their family harmony, to establish routines and rituals and how we do holidays. And do you just need time to figure that stuff out? For you and I to figure out our parenting and step-parenting roles, how you play to your strengths and how I support you and how you help me figure out this relationship with this 16-year-old who doesn't want to have anything to do with me, that takes time and you won't get it right for a couple of years you won't but you'll find the rhythm you'll begin to settle into what works you'll begin to realize i can't push too hard on that on that ingredient i need to back off the other 3 over here are doing great we're getting along well but this ingredient over here is cooking at a much slower pace uh-huh. than all the others and when so that when you have that mentality and you settle and rest into that i really this the, here's the god thing What you're saying is, Lord, we're going to trust you with patience as this family comes together instead of us trying to force it and control it on our Mm -hmm. time and our way. We're really relying on you, God. When you do that, I mean, the paradox is just roll out, guys. Because what happens is now this 16-year-old doesn't perceive you as bossy and controlling and in my space all the time. Would you just back up and give me a minute? Now they see you as respectful, to their time, and to what matters to them. Now they see you as loving the fact that they love their mom. Listen to that. My stepmom respects that I love my mom. She's not trying to get in the way of this relationship. She honors my mom. Guess what? That makes you approachable. That makes you safe. And now this child is seeing you as somebody they can move toward rather than somebody they need to keep their defenses up toward. Yeah, It totally changes the nature of Of the cooking process.
2: I think that element of time is so important because even couples who tick all the boxes, you know, even if they follow everything you've outlined in this book, they have every conversation, they tick every single box, they talked about this, they don't, it's not going to happen instantly for them, even if they do everything on the list, the absolute best way. It just takes time. And I think that takes so much pressure off Mm -hmm. of step families off of couples who are blending families that it's almost like they can te- take a deep breath and and begin to maybe even enjoy the process as opposed to like when is this going to happen and putting yes. all that kind of intensity into their family
1: yep instead of feeling like a failure day in and day out because everything's not going the way you hoped that it yeah. would as quickly as you thought it would yeah. you you realize we're in process we're getting there it's okay look we had a we had a, a a reward today. We had a nice moment over here and yeah, there's some still trying to figure that part out, but, but I can enjoy the good when it happens. Like mm-hmm. that's a game changer for mm-hmm. everybody.
2: Yeah. No kidding.
1: Once
0: again, thank you for uh, putting this book together. I realize it's, it's the fruit of uh, many, many years working with people.
3: Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. isn't
0: Ron sitting in his office uh, <laughs> coming up mm-hmm. with a book to satisfy his publisher. When you read this book, you go, this person knows what real life's like for blended families. And it's very, very helpful. And again, it's, uh, listeners, it's very directed. You use the word do-it-yourself. Is that the word you use? Do-it-yourself pre-marriage? Yeah, it, yeah? It,
1: it is a D-I- DIY <laughs> premarital okay. counseling tool. Yep. So so folks, engage
0: with the book. It'll bring you great insight. You and your, your potential partner are gonna um, learn so much by walking it through. The family is going to be advanced. And as Cheryl just cautioned, you'll still have to live like a crock pot, but mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're going to have the right tools. It's just so great. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. friends, uh, the book's coming out in September, right? Preparing yes. to blend. Mm-hmm.
1: Preparing to blend September 14th, 2021.
2: Yeah. Can we ask you one more question though? The last chapter in the book is called Till Death Do Us Part. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guide to staying strong for life. Um, using probably the defining experience of, of this generation, the pandemic, uh, which is so good, so relevant, but let's just be clear. You're not talking about the politics or the policies you're talking about what it reveals about our relationships and, and how to go the distance. Can you just talk that through a little bit?
1: Yeah, Cheryl, uh, whether the world knows it or not for the last 18 months, uh, we've all been getting a tutorial in how you cook a step family. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Just wrote, Real quickly, you know, March of 2020, the world stops, right, in North America, at least it did, and we all get told what? Well, there's a virus out there, so let's be careful. Retreat back to the people and places that you know and trust the most. Hang out with your family, separate from other at-risk relationships, go home, and we did that. Okay, number one, that's exactly what happens when stress hits our world. We retreat back into the people and places that we know and love and trust the most. In a blended family, that means step people move away from each other. I mean, just think about that for a second. Here you are oh. trying to merge, blend, integrate, cook, all the terminology we've been using. And all of a sudden, you stop cooking when stress comes into the picture. When you get at odds as parent and step parent, doesn't matter that you love each other as husband and wife, all of a sudden, you want to pull back and protect your kids against. The person you perceive as being harsh. This is a hard thing on blended families. It pulls in the wrong direction and it's natural. Our whole world did this as a result of stress. We should expect it to happen in your home. That's number one. Number two, I don't know about you guys, but when we retreated back into our home, It was sort of ugly. You know, we're sharing bandwidth. My wife's a teacher. She's trying to figure out how to teach five-year-olds, kindergartners, over the internet. How crazy is that? Yes, I'm trying to figure out how to keep my ministry going. Our son, who was in college, away at school, has to come back. Nan and I had really been enjoying the empty nest, and he comes back m- mad and depressed that school is not going the way he wants it to, and he's got to come home. We got depressed because he was home. All of a sudden, <laughs> nobody's happy with one another. We're stepping on each other's toes. We're, hey, you're trying to get ice out of the ice machine, and it's one wall, and I'm doing a Zoom call with Neil and Cheryl, and you're, you're making <laughs> noise over there. Like, you're messing everything. Like, we didn't know how to do it, yeah. and I don't think anybody listening right now knew how to do life when a pandemic hit, we didn't. No, nope. <laughs> and that's day one in a blended family cruckpot. Mm. You're really not sure how to do it. You step on each other's toes. You make mistakes. You live and learn. And you go, "Oh my gosh, I, now what? How, we're gonna have to talk and communicate a lot and figure out how we navigate this space." That's what happens in a step family. But here's the deal: fast forward a year and a half. I don't know about you, but we got a rhythm at our house. We mm. kind of know how to do it. We figured it out. We're not happy about all of it. Right. Uh, we're venturing out a little bit. Sometimes we're not. We're still trying to figure out the ambiguity, right? This is step family living. You're still figuring out ambiguity, but you're getting better at it. Right. And over time, the crockpot is teaching you how to manage life and do life. This is a, an experience just like blended family living. And the point is this. There's a lot of things none of us chose about this pandemic. We don't want it. Mm. It is what it is, but we're doing life. Yeah. And it can be good. It can be sweet. And there can be joy in the midst of it, even though it's not exactly the way we want it. Mm. Blended families hold on to that. Okay. You hit some rough spots. You navigate through. You keep going. You don't quit. You trust God to see you through and you find your rhythm. And you know what? There's some joy in the midst of the journey.
0: Great word. (laughs) And that's an encouragement to everybody listening, whether you're in a, whatever state you're in, in those moments, just hang <laughs> yeah. on to that word of hope and encouragement that Ron yeah. left us with. Hey, folks, again, the book doesn't come out till September, but if you can't wait for some help and resources, there's a whole suite of things. It's um, mm-hmm. stepfamilies.com, successfulstepfamilies.com. Did I get that yeah. right? Sm-
1: smart. smart Smartstepfamilies.com.
0: Okay, there you go. Hey, and, and uh, listen
2: into the Family Life Blended podcast but, when you get a chance. And mm-hmm. of course, check out the other um, episodes of the Family Life Canada podcast as well. That's at FamilyLifeCanada.com.
0: So on behalf of Ron and everybody at Family Life Blended, Family Life Canada, we want the best for you yeah. and those around you. So we're mm-hmm. here to help. Let us do that. And um, we hope to, you'll join in again.
2: Yeah. Thanks, for- Ron.
1: Thanks so much, Thank Ron. You. Thanks, guys. Love you. Appreciate you.
2: Love you, too. Love Bye you for too. now. Bye.